Happy Monday, kitty cats. And if you are listening to this program today, then I know that you are a person who cares about their liberty. It's also a pretty good chance that you're pretty tired of waiting around for political change, tired of being duped by political parties and politicians filling you with hope and then never coming through. Well, guess what? If you're ready to take matters into your own hands, then I want to tell you about an amazing community called the Nomad Network. This is the number one community for liberty-minded people just like you who want to create freedom in their lifetime by focusing on entrepreneurship, investment, and income mobility. I have personally been involved with this group for some time now. I hopped on because I got into a stage in my life where I realized that I was ready to take things to the next level. I was sick of just talking about my liberty, and I wanted to take action to actually achieve that liberty. And the Nomad Network has been an incredible hub for doing just that. You got people in there posting their W's, uh, talking about their businesses, helping each other out, hiring each other for jobs. It truly is an amazing network. It is a little bit of that building the arc that we talk about so much, building that next pathway, building that community so that we can thrive while the rest of the world just burns around us or does whatever it's going to do. Whether you already have an existing business idea or you just want to network with like-minded people, the NoBand Network is the place for you and you can join for free right now by heading over to www, and you do need the www, by the way, www.nomadnetwork.app slash lion, no S, lion. Take control of your own future. Seize your own liberty. Join the Nomad Network today. We need to empower people with not just the philosophical Flagship Lions of Liberty Podcast, your weekly dose of education, inspiration, and real-world application from the top minds in the liberty movement. If you want liberty, we need to be better leaders, better husbands, better fathers, better friends, better businessmen. We need to be better people. Here's your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. All right, Kitty Cats here with me today. A very special guest. He's a man who has done a lot of our amazing artwork, especially for the big debate month we've done. I'm certain you have seen his stuff out there on the internet if you're at all uh, in the Liberty space. Uh, I'm very pleased to welcome Danny. I'm going to call you the CEO, all right? The CEO of Top Lopsa. Danny, welcome to Lions of Liberty. Are you ready to roar? I am ready to roar, Mark. Let's do this. All right. I had a little bit of a feeling you would. And uh, we kind of connected, I don't know, probably just like three or four months ago. I think I'd been seeing your art um, a lot earlier than that. Uh, you know, when, when Josh started his show and everything. And uh, I'm not even sure how exactly we first connected. I, I don't know if I reached out to you. I think I reached out to you because um, I wanted to do some artwork for s- some debates that I was doing. And then, uh, yeah, it just spiraled from there. And uh, we've really been, I really love your artwork. I love all the images you produce. They're both creative and compelling and all those wonderful things. And we'll talk a little bit more about how you, how you got into that aspect of things. But first, I want to learn a little bit more about you, uh, where you come from. I know we were talking about before the show, you're, you're from Brooklyn and uh, looking to get out, which we'll also get into. Uh, but just take it from wherever you want and just you know guide us on your journey a little bit and let us know kind of where this whole weird liberty stuff kind of started to fit its way into your life. Sure, sure. So, uh, ah, damn, I just did the sure, sure, Josh thing, but all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's rubbing off yeah. on you, man. Yeah, I know that guy. It's all good. Sure, sure. Sure, sure, sure. So yeah, I'm, I'm actually from uh, Brooklyn my whole life. I was born in Coney Island, grew up in Coney Island, and I recently moved out, but not too far, maybe 15 minutes away. Uh, I was I was apolitical my entire life. I was more into the sports side of things and kind of just ignoring the po- the political realm until 
it kind of seeks you out. I, I don't know if you had the same kind of moment, but uh, yeah, I guess uh, for me, it was the Trump moment. So I'm sort of new to this, uh, this area. And uh, the thing that were going on, like uh, up, up until the election with Hillary Clinton, that kind of started to shake me. And, and I said, I need to start paying attention here because people are exhibiting weird behavior. The people that I, people that I trusted or had, uh, uh, I, I, I guess you can call it faith or, or that you thought that they were smarter than they than they are, they start to act strange because there was some kind of weird glitch in the matrix. Some, something happened, so I started paying attention from there, and it kind of led me into this. Uh, like maybe I'm a Republican because obviously the other side is kind of weirding me out, and I quickly realized no, I'm not a Republican, and I said maybe I'm conservative. No, definitely not conservative. And uh, so, so now I'm just doing this deep dive into the intellectual dark web of, you know, Dave Rubin and Jordan Peterson, which is where you get the name uh, Top Lobster. I'll explain that in, in a second. Um, and and I'm walking my dog one day and I kind of j- just playing YouTube, listening to something. And the recommended video next that the, rec- the next recommended video that came up was uh, Dave Smith on Joe Rogan. And it was a clip. I forgot what he was talking about, but it was uh they were they were talking about something to do with like social libertarian issues and right away i kind of like i'm like i'm not so sure cuz it if if you're on the right and you probably see this if you talk to someone that's on the right and you start telling them like pure libertarian ideas they kind of like they'll view you as a leftist almost even even though cuz they don't understand the spectrum of what it's coming from so i was ready to write them off but Dave Rubin works both said, ways too. I mean, you you, yeah. you come at a leftist with libertarian ideas, and they just see you as a, a you know from the right or Republican or whatever. A- absolutely. So I was very much in that that dynamic. But what's interesting is is the it, it worked against itself because I, I see a guy like like Dave Rubin as still sort of on the right, but I'm not really sure where to put him. But they're like, we have to be open to ideas and hear them out, and di- you know do this honest debate. And at the time, that was like the cool thing. So I said, I'm going to hear this guy out. And I listened to him. It was maybe a 20 minute clip and, and just changed my mind. And I was like, fuck, all this stuff that I've been thinking for the last couple of years and my entire life is probably wrong. And I have to readjust and, and reframe my, my worldview because I, whatever, whatever arguments he was making were so compelling to me that it just, it really just flipped me on my head. So that's kind of my my origin story as far as the political side goes. Yeah, you're not the first person at all uh, that I've encountered that kind of got into this whole sphere in the first place because of Donald Trump, just because of his existence and his presence in the political world. What what was it for you? I mean, you're from New York, so you've you've been familiar. I mean, obviously he's a nationally known figure, but yeah. I feel like people from that area kind of know Trump a little bit more. And and what were your first thoughts when you first saw him running for president? Saw him saying, I don't know outlandish things, but maybe more so saw people around you reacting in what you described as like a weird way. Can, can you get into that a little bit more? And I think, I think we kind of all know what you're talking about though, how people started to, uh, and we've all experienced this. I've certainly experienced this with many friends and family, how the reaction to Trump was so much different than the reaction to any sort of like normal politician. Right. Yeah. I, well, I mean, if, if, if you follow top lobster on, on Twitter, I'm very much a shit poster. And I kind of, <laughs> I kind of gravitate to these tower gang types and like, you know, the guys that are shit posting. So I like that. I like that sort of attitude, that brashness. I've always been like that, but whether I'm playing, I played college baseball and that, that was like my style or whatever you're doing. If, if I'm boxing someone, my style is to like antagonize you and make you make a mistake. I, I think that there's something genius in that. So I saw him doing something like that and I was like, oh, this is kind of funny, but who gives a shit about politics anyway? Then things start to get uh, 
like very weird uh, socially because people people start to choose sides. I in my job, I remember telling a guy, I said, "Hey, this guy Trump is polarizing," and he and he yelled at me, and he's like, "Polarizing? He's the devil!" But I'm like, "Polarizing <laughs> just means like he's separating, you know, black and white." Well, <laughs> his response actually proved that he was polarizing. <laughs> exactly. So right, I'm like. I don't know how to respond to this guy. So I, you know, I walk away and I don't have the arguments set up to, to even discuss this with these people because I'm not paying attention. And uh, one of the defining moments, I'll never forget in my life. I, I used to work on the tracks, uh, building the, the, the subway system. Like we'll build new tracks and stuff like that. And it's the middle of the night on election day, 2016, probably like two in the morning or something. And from down the track, you hear a guy just scream like a guttural scream. And yeah, I dropped the tool and we're like, ah, fuck, someone's injured. Like, you know, it's, <laughs> it's possible. It's very dangerous. So we all look down and we're like, yo, what's, what's going on? And he's like, Trump won. And I'm like, oh my God, this you is made that sound. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a gutter, like right from his soul. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, I need to drop everything. Start reading whatever I can read and figure out what the fuck is going on. Can we curse? Yeah, we curse here. Yeah, <laughs> please do. Yeah. Cause <laughs> Yeah, so at that like moment, my first like I don't know maybe seven episodes way back in the day I was like I got to keep this show clean and blah, blah blah and then at some point I was like well no I want to be myself and myself is going to curse when it's appropriate I don't I'm not like uh, as foul mouthed as my uh, partner Brian McWilliams <laughs> but uh, you know sometimes you need to drop an f bomb so drop drop away yeah that was I I think that was a a, a good moment to drop f because because man I'm telling you these these people the way he was reacting was like I think his his rationale later on was that that they were going to bring back slavery or something like that. I'm like, uh, okay. So at that point I'm like, I have to figure out what's going on because these guys are acting strange. My family's acting strange in, in a way that, that I've never seen before. So that really, I think that was, that was probably the moment that I started to, to do this deep dive down the rabbit hole politically. <laughs> I think there's something about Trump that a lot of people just have trouble comprehending. Again, a lot of it comes down to like, what I call, I don't even want to call it New York humor or maybe it's more East coast humor. I mean, like I grew up on the East coast and there are like, it's just, and most, a lot of my friends back in Los Angeles were from the East coast too. So we have a certain way of like talking to each other, a certain way of joking about things. It's basically, you know, in-person shit posting. It's just how you yes. kind of interact and communicate with friends or even people you just met. It's just kind of how it is. And I think a lot of people that didn't grow up around that take, take, humor in a different way they don't even understand that kind of humor they can't even comprehend it as humor and yeah. i think that's a lot of what i mean trump is that times a million so he was he was you know new york or east coast humor on steroids um but a lot of people just just they were never exposed to that humor now if, you, if they didn't grow up around people that talk that way to each other um you know then that's then you throw trump in there and put him on the national spotlight and put him into politics and suddenly it's like you know becomes this whole offensive thing but i think to people like you and me like i've never seen trump say something that i even could understand being actually offended by never once but you know yeah that that's the that's understandable so like you have like the people from williamsburg that have you know that i understand like how he can shock these people because maybe they're sheltered or they they don't they don't really talk like that but like i said i was working in the most one of the most dangerous construction fields you can do and the things we say to each other on that field are just ungodly so when this guy comes in he's saying mild stuff on twitter i expect to laugh at it, but they, they just didn't find it funny. So I was like, this is very strange. And I still don't really, I still don't know what, what happened or where to put it, but the world has changed. Yeah. I mean, there was something, and it seems like the, this thing with Trump, it, 
it just sort of parlayed itself right into COVID. I mean, it, one thing just rolled right into the other. And before you know it, we're all talking about this disease and the lines are almost exactly divided the sa- on the same in the same polarized way that they were with Trump. Is that something that you continue to see around those same family members and same friends as, you know, this is last you know, four or five years kind of played out. Yeah. There's a strong overlap between, between, uh, how they feel about the virus, how they, how they react if they're wearing a mask outside, things like that is like, I, even, even a lot of the, uh, social behaviors that people exhibit, I'd be like, I can tell you how you vote just, <laughs> just by seeing how you're, how you're reacting to things. And it's really sad because it's, it's a, what a predictable world, you know? And it, it also, but it also puts us in a unique position where people don't know where to where to, where to place us, what box to put us in. So I like I like to use that to really screw with some people too sometimes. All right, guys. Well, you have seen it, you have felt it. It is clear that inflation is running rampant, and this, of course, has a lot of people more than ever looking to invest in cryptocurrencies. But one issue that can come with that is, of course, you got to pay taxes on those gains. Well, guess what? That is where our friends at iTrust Capital come in. With iTrust Capital, you can actually trade and earn on cryptocurrencies completely tax-free. That's right. By doing so within an IRA. Uh, IRAs, Roth IRAs are one of the best tax structures out there, one of the best deals. I've had an IRA for years, and now I know I can go to my friends at iTrust Capital to start a cryptocurrency IRA. And it's not just cryptocurrency. You can also self-trade physical gold and silver in an IRA uh, with iTrust Capital. It is really just the best deal going. You can invest in cryptocurrencies and precious metals for completely tax-free gain. Where Whether you hold these assets for the long term or you buy and sell with the market, iTrust Capital's IRA account provides the absolute lowest transaction costs and transparent pricing in the industry by far. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to pause this podcast, or maybe you can multitask. I don't know. I I can multitask. Uh, I want you to visit itrustcapital.com to get your completely free insider's report on Bitcoin and crypto IRAs. This costs you absolutely nothing, and this report will have absolutely everything you need to know about the fees, security, 24-7 access, and so much more. And I want you to use promo code LIONS to get your first month for free. That's promo code LIONS. Again, head over to itrustcapital.com, use promo code LIONS, or head over to lionsofliberty.com. Find the show notes for today's episode, click on that link, get that free report, and start investing for your future today. I want to circle back over back to uh, the top lobster moniker. As you mentioned earlier, being inspired by Jordan Peterson, I, I've read his books. I went through a huge Jordan Peterson phase like four or five years ago. Maybe it's not a phase. I don't know. I, I still really like him, but I, I do think he's, I don't know, lost a bit of his panache in, in the last year. Or so I, since he, I agree. Since his, yeah, since his comeback of sorts. And, and uh, I don't want to go, go into a whole thing on, on Jordan Peterson, but I just as a little sidebar, I mean, I saw him tweeting about like the lockdowns the other day. And I was just, all I could think of was like, where have you been? <laughs> but it was like, it was almost like 20, 2019, March 2020 kind of talk. It's like, maybe we shouldn't do 15 days to slow the spread. I'm like, are you in a, are Is you he in, in a time warp? Like, are you part of the Libertarian Party National? Yeah. <laughs> what are you, the Libertarian Party? Uh, but, <laughs> but to give us a little bit, I mean, like, I know the whole story of Jordan P- Peterson's lobster thing, but maybe you can get, kind of do a little summary of, of what that meant to you and why that led you to create this sort of top lobster moniker. Yeah. So the first chapter, he talks about how uh, humans and lobsters share the same, uh, the, the same neuro- neurological system and how we react to dopamine. So the lobster will get into a fight with another lobster. And when he wins, he stands up taller and straighter 
becoming the the top lobster. Yeah, stand up straight with your shoulders back. I think that's the name yep. of the the chapter. And I felt myself doing it just now, just as you're saying. Yeah, that. yeah, me too. I'm like I'm slouching, like better. Yeah, yeah it, it does have a good. It gives you a better outlook on life, like even just the the small physical things that you do. So I started to take what he was saying there to heart, and uh, I think I first used it as it wasn't really a brand. It was a it was maybe like a screen name or something like that. It was something I was just using as a moniker. Uh, my, my initial Twitter account was Top Lobster. And then that's a whole nother story. But yeah, I started using that as a, as a fun play at what we do on the internet because it's all, it's all like, it's like crack, man. We're on there for dopamine hits. Yeah. This is, this is the dopamine. I mean, this is the source, you, or especially you yes. go on Twitter. I mean, that's, that's a direct, you're, you're pumping it right into your veins. Put that right into my arm. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I figured that's a great place. Like uh, Facebook and Twitter is a great place to use this moniker and uh, start this name. Cause I think it just does fit. Like we're using, you know, our, our neurological systems are tapped into the social media stuff and, and we're doing it for the likes and the likes are just giving us dopamine hit. So that's mm-hmm. initially why I use it, but there's also obviously the bigger meaning, you know, which is a uh, stand up straight with your shoulders back and kind of present yourself. Well, even though my, I don't, I don't know, maybe my brand does do that, but I'm not sure. So uh, yeah, from, from there, I, I, uh, I was in my job. This is, this is a, doing a small segue of how I started to create clothing and, and draw graphically. I was at my job and there was a need for t-shirts. People wanted some graphic t-shirts. So I started to do that and uh, people were buying it. They liked my stuff and I segued it into things that I thought were interesting. So I started drawing about like Liberty topics and uh, like the legalized freedom hat. That's one of the yeah, I'm first wearing it right designs. now for the video viewers. Yeah, or the, the disobey your local tire, which he's gone, but still, mm-hmm. still holds I got, up. <laughs> I got that one in my closet too. Or well, mine, mine has Newsom on it, but yeah, he's still there, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, that's, but I'm not, so it's okay. <laughs> uh, I think you made the right move, brother. That's did, did you did you decide to leave because of that recall, or was that in the books already? Um, how do I how do I work this one? I, there was there were let's just say there are a number of factors. Uh, but yeah, I mean it. They're not, they're not related to the recall, but it's certainly uh well, I guess this is the, the good timing kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Especially yeah. with, I mean, they've already passed. It was all almost immediately. He started announcing, you know, state mandates for vaccines, uh, for venues and everything. And then just, just the other day, Los Angeles, which was inevitable, they passed vaccine passports. So I think a month from now, you're going to need a vaccine passport to uh, go to any indoor anything, basically, except for grocery stores, because apparently it doesn't spread there. But uh, yeah, you need a vaccine passport for any kind of bar, restaurant, gym, um, anything or large outdoor venues. So even outdoor concerts, you need it for that. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be over the whole state and it's frankly, it's going to be over the whole country and world in many ways with, I, I think pockets of, of resistance. And that's, well, we'll get into that. Cause that's obviously a big part of why you are in the process of, of leaving where you are in New York as well. Yes, correct. Yeah. I, I agree with you. It's, it's, it's going to be in the whole world. Like, well, you know, my friends that are in New York, they're like, well, why, why are you leaving? And I give them the reasoning and they're like, well, you don't think that's going to spread to where you're at, uh, where you're going to be. And I'm like, yeah, I, th- I think it will eventually. But I think the idea is to set yourself up in a place where it doesn't quite matter. I'm not, I'm not going to Saipan, but I'm going to, <laughs> I'm trying to go somewhere with, with acreage where at least I could be somewhat self-sustaining and uh, just away from it enough where it doesn't touch me every single day as, as it does here. Yeah. I, 
I just can't stand to do that. Yeah. Well, let's dig into this a little more then. Like, uh, when did you, when did you make the decision to, to leave? I mean, you grew up there your whole life, right? I mean, I can tell by the accent you're from there. So, oh, yeah. uh, but, yeah, so <laughs> I mean, when did it, like, I'm not from Los Angeles. I'm not from California. I'm from the East coast. So even though I, I had lived in California for almost 20 years, it was always I never had the idea that I would live there the rest of my life, even though I ended up living there for quite a long time because I ended up just get really getting into the TV industry and making a lot of connections, a lot of friends. And it just became the place to stay uh, until it became not the place to stay. Uh, so, but it, it, you know, it, it never felt like leaving my home, even though I'd been there so long. So what, what are some of the things that started to change your mind on, on actually leaving the place that you grew up that you've actually really spent your entire life? Yeah. Uh, I, I can't say that I've loved New York. I never really liked it. It's well, that helps, I guess, then. <laughs> yeah, it's it's even even before it was political. It's not it's not like a new thing where I discovered libertarianism and now I have to get away from this fascist society. Mm. No, I I've always felt like trapped in and constricted in this place, but it never it never occurred to me like I can just leave. And and I guess in a way. It, in a way, without COVID and without what's going on, I'm not so sure that I would have pulled the trigger because I, I wasn't happy here, but my family's here. My friends are here. I have a house. I'm established here with a job, you know, all the normal things that keep you in in one place. And uh, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of glad that they, that they went full fascist and whatever the hell they're doing here, because in, in a way I'm not making the decision, you know, right. I'm, I'm just leaving, but we, we actually, me and my wife started talking about it seriously about leaving here in uh during the george floyd riots last year mm -hmm. yeah we took a road trip down and we just we were like let's get out of here because uh, on my truck route where i where i drive i used to drive through the city on this route i would drive the morning after and still see some embers like burning from the mm -hmm. night before from whatever the hell they were doing i'm like this is no way there's no way to live there's no way to no there's not a place to raise children you know i i'm just I, I, it's it's time to step out of your comfort zone and kind of do something new as much as you can. So, how, how bad were those riots in in your area in particular on the ground? Because I, I actually coincidentally I just happened to be in Mexico last year when that was happening. Not not for the same reasons, but uh, I was and and I was so glad that I was here and not in Los Angeles, where you know half the city. Well not, I shouldn't say half the city. It was very localized to certain areas, but uh, where there was a lot of this, this violence and stuff. But I mean, I, I saw a lot of the videos coming from New York and it was just like, I couldn't believe some, some of the stuff I was seeing, but it, it's so hard to know, you know, how much of it is just, you know, the three clips you saw from these three places maybe and, and how widespread it really was. But what was your view of all that from, you know, from the ground? Yeah, that's that kind of stuff was happening in the city. That's where like the densely populated areas where I live now, I live on like this kind of like island peninsula that's like off of like, I guess it's near Coney Island, but on the off the Belt Parkway. So it's a residential area. And the people that live here are kind of like they're either city workers or they just they just go to work. They come home and they're they're chill. It's a nice area. And so they didn't they didn't really touch anything here. Actually, in my area, they wrote a on the street. They wrote freedom on the on the street. I don't know if you remember when when they were writing Black Lives Matter on the street in the city. Mm -hmm. they, yeah. So to give you an idea, that's what was going on where, where I live immediately. But outside of it, you know, it, it depends on the area that you go in. There's pockets in Coney Island. I saw some cars that were burned, but nothing like there were there were no major movements there that was just happening in the city. And it seemed like it was happening night after night. And it was happening throughout pretty much throughout the country. Like uh, when we made that road trip, we the, the night before we drove by 
DC, that was when uh, Trump went out and they were shooting people with rubber bullets and stuff. Remember that? Yeah. 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 So we, we passed by there the next day and it was like (laughs) crazy time to bring a baby, two babies, you know, across the country. But we're like, let's just, let's go see what's going on. And yeah, so to bring it, to bring it back, that's when our initial looks looking starting started happening. So we drove to where we thought we want to be and checked it out. I don't know how old, how old your kids are, um, but I, I, you called them babies, so I assume pretty young. Um, yeah. But h- how much has has having children been a factor in maybe not just your political development, but in in this move, in this push to okay, maybe I just didn't like some things in the city before, but now now it's about about something much greater. You know, now it's actually about providing a different life for my family for these little ones who they have no control over what's going on right now, but I do. Yeah. It's probably about, it's, it's mostly about them. I'll tell you the truth. So they're uh, like right now they're about a year and a half and three. So you could imagine, I mean, my son was like maybe four months old when we were doing that during those riots. So that was kind of crazy, but yeah, it's, it, it is all about them. When you, when you have kids, you see what's going on with Dave Smith and you've seen how he's changed since he's oh, had yeah. the baby. He became a you, Christian conservative. Of course. Yeah, it, it's it's kind, I think it's kind of a natural thing because you, you start to really look towards the future and start to bargain with the future more when you have children. Mm-hmm. Whereas like before, I'm kind of like, ah, this place sucks, but, you know, whatever, <laughs> we could do whatever we want. And but now, yeah, a lot of the things that I'm thinking about for my kids is like, especially in this area where I'm at with this house, like I don't have much of a yard. And and during COVID, especially when things were locked down, they were shutting down parks. I'm like. What, what do we, what do we do with them? I, I had a yard in LA actually. It was, uh, it was made of cement. Yeah. yeah there <laughs> I'm is not just even a, joking. I had a small little yard area and it was just cement. That's what's there right over there is just a block of cement. And I'm like, yeah. have fun kids. This is, yeah, <laughs> it's no way to live. I, I was lucky enough where my parents had like, like they, they had a backyard, but they bought, I forget what, what they call them. They're like a, uh, like low income housing and all of their sisters and brothers bought in this one area. So we had a compound. And it was, it was an amazing way to grow up because I was constantly with my cousins and we were in an area where it wasn't too crazy. It was just the craziness we were doing. And I kind of want to recreate that, like that, uh, that community feeling of a family or people that you want to be around and, and, and just make, make this, make the world what, what I want it without sheltering them too much. But yeah, to, to come back to your question, it, it's, yeah, the decision I think has always been about the kids. Once we have, once we had the kids, it really put into perspective what what we need to do. And uh, I guess the struggle, the push and the pull would be: well, if I leave my job in New York, how will I get a job over there and provide for them there? But if I stay in New York, how will that affect their livelihoods going in the future? Like, I don't, I don't want my daughter riding the subway. Yeah. It's just not I. I don't care what anyone listening to this thinks. It's not a, it's not a way to live. You're packed in a, you're, you're packed in a, like a metal tube with all kinds of people going through Satan's asshole, which is New York city <laughs> to, and then, and then you get off the, the stop to do what really to, maybe you're going to work to go back and then to live in your pod. It's like, this is, I don't think this is what life is about. So I'm in search of what it is about. And I, I kind of want, to build the next generation with my kids and see and see what that can be. I think it was you that that either shared this the video of that lady in the subway on New York ripping down all those those yeah. signs that were like promoting like I don't know really weird shit like look <laughs> yeah and I, I'm no Christian conservative I've, I'm into some really weird shit myself but I mean this is just stuff that's out there on the subway and it's super hyper sexual imagery and this is a place where 
everybody goes, you know, children, adults, whatever. And this based lady was this based Asian lady was up there just ripping these signs down and just screaming. Like, I mean, screaming, but I say screaming, but she was actually being fairly calm about it. But she was saying like, do you really want this? Do you really want your children seeing this? Do you really want to be around this? And I think it was like her and maybe one person was kind of helping her and everyone else was just kind of sitting there like staring at her, like not stopping her. Like almost like it almost seemed like they were thinking like, well, she is kind of right. I'm not going to do this, but, but I, yeah, maybe she's right. And some other people probably just looking at her like she's nuts. But I was, I was clapping at that video, man. But it, I, that just, it represents that, that this is more, it's more than about just living in the pod and, and what have you. I mean, it, it, it's like, there's a real cultural decay that has gone on and it's, it's definitely more so in the cities than outside of the cities. Yeah. And it's been happening for a long time, a long time. I, I remember back maybe when I was like 15, 16 years old, there were some groups of people where I would hang out with them and, you know, cool people. But I'm like, I don't, I don't fit in here. I don't belong here for some reason. And I thought that it was me being weird, but <laughs> Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> gotta love the comments. This is why yeah. you gotta watch the video, my friends. And if, if we're not on YouTube, I never know anymore because half the time we get taken off YouTube or we get strikes. You can always find us on Odyssey. Don't forget, kids. That's right. I'm contractually obligated to tell you to find them on Odyssey. Yes. But uh, yeah, I mean, I forgot what I was saying. Uh, That's although, the danger yeah. of, of bringing in the comments. Yeah. So yeah, I was saying you were talking about the cultural decay and, and there yeah. definitely is. It's been there for a long time. But now it's, I don't, I don't know why it's showing its face so prevalently, or maybe it's just come to a boiling point where like it, we, we can hold no, we can't hold any longer. And like the old guards died off. So now we're going through this, this very crazy period of whatever godlessness or whatever you'd like to call it. And, uh, but yeah, that's been boiling underneath for a long time. And that, that subway video is just like, that's tame stuff from the things that I've seen in New York. Oh, or yeah, the, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I like to call this place like Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> Just like almost completely. There's so there's a lot of great people here. Don't get me wrong. And there's a lot of great things to do. But I, I, I don't I know. Have loads of friends and family in New York. But, you know, OK, <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, it, we, we each make our own choices. I, I mean, I went there um, back in last April. And, uh, cause my, my wife had never been there. I wanted to take her to, you know, just see the city. And it just, it was not the city that I grew up going to all the time. I, I think we we're talking, I think it was before the show we were talking, but I, I grew up in Connecticut and my family's all from the, from the city. So we, I went to this city to see family, you know, 10, 15 times a year, probably when I was a kid growing up. And then, um, you know, as a, as a young adult, I, I would take the train over from Stanford and, and party probably every other weekend with friends ahead in the city. So I, I love the place. It's, it's a fun place. It's an amazing place. I say it is, but it's, it's more like a was, cause even when I went there in April, it just, it doesn't, it did not have the same feel the same vibe the any of any of what i used to love about the city was totally gone and i think at the time that i went there was still like a i don't know if it was a formal law curfew but everything was closed at 10 o'clock which is like that's when you you're still pre-gaming like back in my day before you go out at like midnight or something like like the fact that the city was just dead and shut down at 10 p.m was just just so incredibly sad to me and just it just felt like it felt like my last visit because i didn't I, I was just thinking to myself like i used to love this place but i i can't think of a reason to come back well i, I don't want to be completely unfair to new york but at that time if you came last year in april you said yeah that was like that yeah, was the end of april so there might have been still been a lot of restrictions in place but. yeah they, they were there for a while but that was uh yeah that wasn't a good reflection of what it was because i i remember driving through and the streets are empty and it's crazy and like uh well, maybe sixth avenue eighth avenue over there usually is just packed with people but i, I mean it, it has come back since so there are people out and uh it what what 
what changed for me, the biggest thing that changed for me is that you see the compliance of all of the people, how it's, they're just like part of the Borg. There, yeah. there was, I say this all the time whenever I go on a podcast, but I'll, when I drive my route, I pay attention to what the demographic looks like or what they're doing. So uh, if I'm driving to Williamsburg a few months ago, it was 90% mass compliance. Then Fauci's emails came out. You remember with the whole thing we were saying, masks don't work. Right. And during, yeah, during that time period, COVID was kind of dying down a little bit and people started to take the mask off. The, the compliance flipped. So about 10% of people were wearing it. Then they said, oh, wait, there's a Delta variant. And like clockwork, whatever MSNBC was saying, these people put the mask right back on double mask. And I'm like, I can't live next to these people. <laughs> they'll do they'll do whatever they're told by the corporate press or whatever you like to call it, the cathedral. And, and you know, if, if you boil that down to its logical conclusion, it's kind of scary. Because what happens when they tell you that, I don't know, unvaccinated or evil or, or whatever they feel like telling there's you. There's no when. I mean, that's, that's what they're saying now, you know? Yeah. But when they start telling you what you should do to them, you know, mm -hmm. it's the shades of it's a cliche, but it's shades of Nazi Germany because that's kind of what's happening. It's just repeating itself. It's amazing to see people not not recognize the pattern. And maybe maybe people are right that it it may chase you anywhere you want to go. You know, maybe there's no escape on anywhere on this planet from it. But there are certainly places and situations that you can put yourself in where you can be less affected by it or where you have more of an opportunity to be more sovereign, to be less reliant on dealing with people that increasingly are going to look at you as an other, as an enemy, as dirty, unclean, whatever you want to call it. That's the clear direction. It's not even the direction. It's where we are. I mean, it's basically where we are right now. You're already seeing reports of people being denied. I think I, someone was denied a, a kidney transplant because they're unvaccinated. I mean, crazy stuff like this. Um, yeah. So maybe you can dig into that a little more about why you chose. I'm not even sure if we talked about it in this interview or if it was the off air part, but I know you are planning to uh, to take your family to a totally new location down in Florida. So maybe dig a little, a little into more about that situation and why you chose Florida, why you chose a specific area uh, other than to be able to, you know, go knock on Tom Wood's door once in a while. Um, so what, what was the, the motivation for? Uh, obviously, we know a lot of the political reasons why, why Florida is appealing. But, you know, what are, all, what are some of the reasons that you guys decided on that? Yeah. Well, before I say that, you, you actually hit on an interesting subject about the, the kidney transplant or whatever that was because of the COVID rules. They had to shut that down. But in, in New York, because of the vaccine mandates, I know you guys have seen the registered nurses and all these other people who have been fired if they mm -hmm. don't want the shot. Uh, so a couple of days ago, I was actually on uh, Jose Galison's, uh, you, you know him, I was on his yeah, 100th yeah. episode. Yeah, and we we're having a good discussion. Him, James Gentleman, Reed Coverdale, and we were talking. And my wife screams down just That's where a I'm crew at. Right there, I'm going to check that one out. I well, let me let me finish the story because yeah, that was a crew, man. It was I was in uh, you know very good company. So my wife screams down. She's like, "Yo, you got to get up here right now." So I was like, "All right, I'll be back, guys." And I go upstairs. My son is uh, he's like not breathing right. He's he's very raspy. He's having trouble breathing. So I you know come back down. I'm like, "I got to go." I I sign off. We don't know what to do. He's he's a year and a half, and my wife is a she's an RN, but we're mm -hmm. still like the fuck. It was it was the craziest thing. So we called the ambulance, and we we're like, should we should we drive him to the hospital? Should we wait? We don't know. And they took they took a long time to get to us, and they they finally did get to us. And you know, my son is okay now. He's he's breathing right. He had like a I forgot what they call it, but it's like it's basically the cold for kids, and sometimes it could it can constrict breathing in your airway. Gotcha. So 
we're, you know, we're in the ambulance and, and they're like, sorry, it took us so long. There's nobody working. Wow. And, um, yeah. And my wife was like, what's that mean? And I'm like, I immediately, I get it. Listen, if nurses are, they're making, I don't know, 40, $45 an hour, they're going to just quit their job because they don't want the shot. What do you think someone that's making $15 an hour, you think they're going to accept this for that kind of pay? Right. So no. Yeah. So this is how widespread and, and far reaching this bullshit is that it, I mean, it, it, it already has touched me a hundred different ways, you know, no, no homo, but <laughs> it has, yeah, it has already touched me. And, and this last thing, I'm just like, it really solidified, I'm, you know, my need to just leave. So yeah, we, uh, to, to answer your original question, um, we, we found a place in Florida. It's, uh, it's near the villages where the, where the old people are or where uh, Gene Epstein does his Soho form down there sometimes. I don't know if you're familiar. Yeah, I, I know the area. We actually bounced to Florida for similar reasons, prospecting reasons uh, right after that New York City trip. It was, it was one big whirlwind. So yeah, we, I know that area pretty, pretty decently well. Yeah. So it's like uh, if you go towards Ocala, you got a lot of farmland and open space like that and you can get it at a decent price. So, and I have family there. I have family in Orlando, of course, because I'm Spanish. So that's where all the Spanish people go. So we, we were down there and we were like, we were looking at land and then it turned into something else because I guess I've red pilled my parents to the point where they, they understand what's going on. They're not quite, they're not where I'm at and they probably will never be where I'm at, but they understand the eminent danger and the craziness that's going on. And I've got them to agree to sell their house and come down with me. So, wow. Awesome. Yeah, I, it could be awesome. We'll see how we'll it turns see, out. Yeah. <laughs> you never know how these I'll things let you can know. go. <laughs> well, the idea is uh, a, a wise man always told me never never move in with your parents. So that's not what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> what we're doing is uh, we bought a plot of land that's big enough to have both have two houses. So we have one house on a it huge already. Huge wall separate. <laughs> yes, it's going to be big and beautiful, and the good ones can stay. <laughs> I'm sure so there are good people on both sides of that wall. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> so yeah, so we've got one house that's built and that's the one that me and my wife and children will live in. And then like down the road, because we have a 10 acre property there, down the road is another house that's built, but we're going to extend it and do whatever we need to do to it. So that's what we're doing right now. And we also pick the land strategically because there's like, uh, there's maybe 20 acres to each side of it that are empty. If Amazing. I want to buy up later or if some libertarian friends or maybe some family want to buy up like a couple acres next to me. And I, I don't know, we're going to see where that goes in the future, but I think that's, I hope, I hope it's the best move because I, I want to keep the people that matter to me close and uh, have, have space around me to, for, for my kids to grow and for, you know, maybe for us to expand and we'll see what we do. I, I know that a lot of people from New Hampshire have been, you know, you know, you know how it is. Come, come to the free state project, that kind of stuff. But I know I've met them. I like them. Yeah. I don't want to people. <laughs> I don't mean it's too cold. <laughs> yeah. Call me a pussy all you want. That's fine. I I'm entitled to say that I'm too cold to go there. I'm not to go there to visit. I, I go to been to pork fest a couple of times. Love it. Uh, love the libertarians up there. Love the free state project people. But guess what? Before I lived in Connecticut, I grew up in Buffalo, New York. All right. I know what cold is. All right. And so I've, I've been through it. And I've been through it enough to know I don't want to live in it. And so it's that simple. Yeah. So, uh, and I, and that's why I don't live. So I will never live somewhere that has snow as a regular feature of the, my surroundings. That's just the way it's going to be. A man of my own heart. I, I said, if I move, I'm never shoveling snow again. Fuck exactly. that. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, and also, I mean, the most important thing to me is, uh, is family. Yeah. 
But I mean, I think it's a strategic move, Justin. Like uh, Josh says, he goes, you know, he went to Iowa and it's kind of free up there. And like, uh, what was the other one? Uh, South Dakota. Yeah. You know, yeah. These, these kind of people are not going to live in uncomfortable climates and go, uh, go there just to change the politics and do dumb shit. They're, they're going to go to Texas with Elon Musk, you know, and yep, fuck yep. it up. Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I think, I think for, for me, the most important thing is, is family. So, you know, that kind of constricts me to a place where my family is either New York or Florida or Puerto Rico. I don't want to do that. So Florida, it is. Peter Schiff's a big fan, man. I mean, if we, if you can get the, that mobile income going, eventually you can really cut that tax burden down, but you know, it's something I, I I've considered it as a down the road type of thing, but yeah, yeah, I don't think it's quite love, just yet. I'd love to own property in Puerto Rico, but I, I'm not crazy about being landlocked or not landlocked. I mean, on, on an island. Waterlogged, yeah. <laughs> yeah waterlocked. <laughs> that kind of, that kind of creeps me out a little. All right, friends. Well, you know what doesn't creep me out at all? That is the amazing coffee. You like these transitions? Uh, the amazing coffee from our friends at Lorenzotti, Italy. Lorenzotti, Italy is the number one place for you to stop and order some fine premium Italian coffees delivered right to your door in these neat little tins. And if that wasn't enough, you get to do so knowing you are helping a sponsor of this program. And if that weren't enough, you get to order using your Lions of Liberty discount code. That discount code is ROAR, and it gets you 10% off your order. So head on over to Lorenzotti.coffee and use discount code ROAR for 10% off some fine premium Italian coffees. Mm-mm-mm. Yummy, yummy, yummy. One thing I want to get into with you a little bit, and I'm not sure how, um, how have you had any kind of like vaccine type mandate stuff that you've encountered in your current work? Or do you, do you anticipate that coming down the line at all? Yeah. Yeah. So my job, they want to do uh, weekly testing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think, I, forget, I don't even know when they're going to implement that, but I'll tell you the truth, man. I'm like, I, I'm I've a, been doing that for like over a year uh, while I was in Los Angeles anyway. So that, that's really like old news to me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm like logged out of my job. I, I do what I got to do. I don't really socialize with the people and I don't know whatever they say, but I, I don't even plan on being there <laughs> too much longer. So mm-hmm. yeah, they, they want to do that, but the writing's on the wall. The writing's always been on the wall where they're going to do like, like they probably did to you. They're going to say, all right, we need to get weekly testing, which makes no sense. So I can get tested on Monday. I can get COVID on Tuesday. <laughs> Everybody's sick by Friday. Everybody's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The whole office sick by Saturday. Great. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. But so it, that will eventually turn into them saying things like uh, it's not efficient or the company won't pay for the testing anymore or whatever it is. So therefore you need to get the mandatory vaccine. And yeah. But, but by that time, so a lot of the guys that I work with, they're like, you know, the classic boiling frog. They're like, oh, no, it's fine. We're going to just do the test. And it's like, yeah, no, nah, it's this 15 where it st- days. Stops. This is where it starts. Yeah. 15 days to slow the spread. It turns into take the triple, you know, triple shot or whatever it is. And yeah, so I, I just don't see I don't see any future there anyway. But yeah, what can you do? You know, either way, I mean. I don't know if it was part of the plan or if it just kind of happened to coincide, but like you starting this, this side business uh, with your artwork and the merchandise, I mean, that's obviously going to be hopefully one, one thing that becomes more of a big revenue stream for you. So you can become more independent and you don't, you don't need to rely on these, these other companies and whatever mandates that they might come in. So why don't you dig, dig into that a little bit? How did this whole thing start? I mean, how'd you start getting into creating this artwork? I mean, 
obviously the current work you do has nothing to do with that. So I'm just kind of curious where this all came from and how you got inspired to, to go down this path. Yeah. Yeah. I, like I said, I started making uh, designs for the guys at my job. They wanted some kind of designs and I'm like, I can draw. So I had it like an old tablet and I started drawing. And Has that been something that you've did like since you were a kid though, just like basically just drawing for, for the hell of it? Like, yeah, I was, I've always been at, there's actually, I have like my, my clay stuff over there. I always been into art and drawing. I love, I love the human form. I like Roman artwork. So I've always been drawing that. And then when I, uh, when I got like maybe junior high school, I was an art talent and I, and I gravitated towards anime, that kind of style and like th- things like that. But it never, it never even occurred to me to monetize it. It just, <laughs> or, or try to do anything to sell it. It was just something that I always did and just kind of enjoyed. So uh, yeah, someone asked me, they were like, oh, can you make me this design for the shirt and the job? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I could do that. So I had a shitty tablet, made that design. Uh, figured out some print on demand stuff. Like, uh, I think I was using Printful at the time, which is like not so good quality. And, uh, the, the yeah, guys no, loved it. We use. <laughs> Sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know what, <laughs> what's no, it's better- all good. I mean, some, some of the shirts are good and some of them are like, yeah, but the designs are good. Yeah. The designs, the designs are top notch. It really depends on like the color that you, this, this was, this is an old shirt. This is still from Printful and it still holds up. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so you see it's black and white, but if you start doing more color, the color could be skewed or something. And, and then if you wash it too many times, it can get fucked up. It really, it really depends. I found a good manufacturer after like so much trial and error. Um, but yeah, so I, I did that with them. They loved it. So that was one thing. And and then I started focusing on rather than doing overtime, I could, I could make money, uh, doing this as a separate stream of income because time is for me, time is super valuable. We don't have that much of it. And if, if I can, if I can monetize something without having to constantly be there on top of it, then that's, that's the idea for me. So, uh, that happened. That was probably five years ago. And then, you know, my interest in politics started happening. So I started to draw, uh, about Liberty shit, about things that I, that I enjoy rather than doing like niche things like mother's day, father's day, it's just mundane and you just do it over and over again. And it's like, I, I don't and even Hallmark's care. If I already got money. that, that stuff locked in anyway, you know? but you, you wouldn't believe man. There's a, there's a crazy, there's a crazy market in this. I, I made a coffee mug that just says like queef on it. And I sold it like 250 times. It's wow. I, yeah. Yeah. It, it's times new Roman queef. That's it. And yeah, <laughs> that's so it. you'd be surprised. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I decided I'm not going to, I'm not going to do anything I don't want to do anymore. I, if I, if it interests me, I'll draw it. And that's, that's, that's just what I want to do. And you'll be able to tell if I'm not interested in it. For sure. So, yeah. uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I think I made a design for Robbie the fire initially. And he, he probably, I think he still has it as, as his header. It was like one of the first works that I did. He loved it. So I was like, that's cool. And then I did uh, a design for Dave Smith as the libertarian Tupac where he's doing the, the scan cans. Right, right. Yeah. I've seen that one all, all over. Yeah. Yeah. He, he picked it up and they sold it as like an exclusive on gas digital, which was like really cool. And from then on, I was like, oh, all right, there's something here. People like this stuff. Like they like it enough that they'll use it. So I just like immerse myself like wholesale in it. And uh, yeah, I'll tell you how how I got to where I am now, why, why you probably know, know about me. Cause, uh, my, my big break obviously came with Josh Smith. Yeah. So, um, I was selling on Etsy and I had the read Mises, not Mark shirt. 
and I think his sister bought it for him as a Christmas gift and she huh. bought it in November. Yeah. And it's I saw it right there. She, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> so it said, it said to Josh Smith, but they sent it somewhere. I was like, Josh, there's like, I don't think so. I don't think it's that guy. You know, <laughs> Because a lot of people buy shit. It's like, and it's a common name. There's got to be a ton of Josh Smiths around that that buy uh, Read Me's is not Mark Sturt. So you, you never know. Yeah. So I was like, uh, I, I'm not gonna like reach out and contact this person. I was like, okay, whatever. He reached out and contacted me, and he's like, hey, got this shirt, love it, thanks so much. And I was like, can I send you some more? He's like, sure. I sent him a couple more. He's like, these are dope. And and then he started advertising my stuff. And he said, he just mentioned briefly, like, thanks, man. I'll wear your shirt on my podcast. I'm starting. And I'm like, all right, cool. So I took it upon myself to draw his first logo. And I sent it. I said, here's a logo. If you want to use it for your podcast, you know, no pressure. Just here. Here it is. And he's like, that's awesome. Do you want to be my slave? And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) He's like, yeah, yeah. I'm only going to do like two episodes a week. And then it's like this week. (laughs) Whoops. Yeah. This next week, I think he's doing six. So I'm like, oh shit, man. But yeah, that's that's kind of how it happened. Just happenstance. His sister bought this and he contacted me and I was like, wow, kind of crazy. You know, just put yourself out there. That's how you got to do it. I mean, that's how you got to, I mean, break into almost any industry. Although now I think it's, if it's not illegal, I think it's probably frowned upon to be an intern at this point. You know, if, if there's a $15 minimum wage to do anything, but uh, you know, I mean that, that really classically is how you break into anything you want to do. You find someone that can use your help. Um, you give them some of your product that helps you, uh, you know, it gives you more work to do. It gets you doing more reps and then also gets your product out there and gets you connected with someone else. Who's, you know, in the case of Josh, who's also growing something at the same time. So in, in certain ways, I mean, he was just breaking into podcasting. He'd done a little podcasting with think Liberty, but you know, this is, was his real push to make something out of it. And so you're both really trying to make something happen at the same time. So it's really just a, you know, it's a good, it's a good situation for both of you where you can both, you know, apply your craft more, both get both of what you're doing out there more. I mean, you're providing him with just an amazing look that he probably wouldn't have without you. He might have something, but it wouldn't be the same vibe. It wouldn't be the same feel. Uh, and then at the same time, you're getting your logo and name out there. Like you said, I don't know if I would have come across you if it wasn't for for Josh and you know seeing all your stuff on Josh's show. And and then eventually we really connected when you made when you made the uh, the Lions of Liberty anamorph version of Mark Claire that I have I have now used on several occasions. So thank thank you very much for that. Oh no problem. Yeah, that was that was a fun one to do. But yeah, I, I described myself uh, on well for the short time I was on Jose's podcast last like a couple of days ago as like the feeder fish that kind of just follows the whale. You know, so like these podcast guys are whales and I'm just like, hey, I'll, I'll do some drawings for you and nip off your back a little bit. And, you know, I, I benefit, you guys benefit. And, and then you also, I, I get to meet some like awesome people. Like just from, from doing this, I went to see Robbie the Fire yesterday, uh, yeah, last night for his comedy show. It was supposed to be Dave, but he had the baby. Right. So he didn't even show up. But uh, Robbie still did something. And I, I'm walking down the block with my wife and, and he goes, yo, top lops. And it's like, oh shit, like he recognized it. It, it's pretty cool, man. You you get to make these connections with people that otherwise I I would have just been listening to you constantly, like in my truck or car, you know. Sure, yeah. So. Man. To me, that's been like the greatest part of podcasting too. Are all the connections that I've I've made. I mean, I had lunch with Tom Woods in New Orleans over gumbo. I mean that that only happened because of this podcast. And you know, maybe I could have met some of these people in other ways, but I mean, it it certainly wouldn't have happened in the same way. And I per- so we certainly wouldn't have made the same connections that I have just through doing this podcast. There's a lot of other benefits, and that's not even that wasn't even on my mind when I started it. But it's become one of the best benefits is connect the people I've connected with. And I mean, I, I don't know if I'd even maybe I'd be physically in Mexico. Right 
right now, but I don't know if I exactly would be really where I am now with the podcast if it wasn't for those connections either. So it's kind of a, you know, it's kind of a, a circular thing where you make more connections and then that actually helps you doing what you're doing. And this, this applies to podcasting. It applies to your artwork. It applies to just about anything you want to do. And I, I think the reason I want to drive this, this home so much is because it can be intimidating sometimes to start a new venture, to start a new business, to start a new project. But at this point in time, um, yeah, and, and yes, Jason Stapleton's Nomad Network is sponsoring this episode, so maybe I'll just tie it right into there. But you have to create, you know, some kind of mobile income that is your or that is yours that you own, um, because if it's not, then you are going to be subject to the whims and the irrational rules of others, of corporations, of of governments, or what have you. And yeah, maybe we can never physically run away from it all, but we can create better situations for ourselves. Where we can create a situation where maybe one day you don't need to take this job and take you know follow whatever regulations they're trying to get you to, to do, whether it's a test or whether it's a vaccine, because you've got something else going on and you don't need it and you're in a better situation. And yeah. I, I just want to encourage people, everyone to, if you have any kind of like desire to do something else, but there's something holding you back, just do it. Cause I didn't know what I was doing when I started this. Some, some would argue we had some audio issues going before we started the show and uh, it's been eight years and I still have some issues sometimes to work through. So nothing's ever perfect. But you can do it. I mean, we're all made of the same flesh and blood and the, the same basic DNA. Um, if, if if other people are out there doing it, you can do it. And so just do it, you know, and then who knows how it happens. Maybe, maybe you connect with a version of a Josh Smith who is also on that same path. And then you kind of help help lift each other up. Uh, you never really know where where these things are going to go, but you have to start it or you're never going to you're never going to get started. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, it's. It's like that, like the, the Bitcoin kind of thing. I think about it sometimes where, I don't know, a few years ago, it was uh, $16,000. Like, I don't want to start buying it now. And I think now it's back up to like 55 or something last night. It's like, oh, listen to this one. When I, I went back, I was going through my old back catalog and I, I there was an interview I did with a guy named Trace Meyer. It was like, I think it was episode 18 of Lions of Liberty. And I was listening back to it. Oh, you know what it was? It was on... Oh, what is his name? The guy that does the, the Liberty reviews. And I, it's his name's Tyler. Oh, Tyler, yeah. Tyler Jank. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I'm trying to, it's, it's, it's escaping me what his actual channel is called, but he reviews Liberty. I think it's called Liberty podcast review or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, yeah, that's why he played a clip from that one. So, and, and with that guest, I, I asked him like, Oh, so what's the price of Bitcoin right now? Cause I really knew nothing about it. And he's like, Oh, it's about like $18, I think right now. And then I was listening <laughs> to this and I'm thinking like, and I remember at the time I, I remember after the interview, I, I was interested enough to kind of look into it, but this is before Coinbase. This is before it was like, it was like steps. It was hard to buy it. Like you had to go through some amount of steps and I was like, nah, I don't feel like it. And now I'm just like, God damn it. Why didn't you just take yeah. an hour and figure out how to get a Bitcoin? Yeah. But anyway. Absolutely. And you know, one more thing I wanted to add on to what you were saying is I'm sure that you experienced with this, uh, with, with the Lions of Liberty podcast where you start this thing, uh, maybe you start off hot, right? Cause you're, you're, you're really inspired to do mm-hmm. podcasts or whatever you're doing, your drawings. And then like nothing happens for a while oh, yeah. and it's stagnant. I had many, 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 many months of, well, maybe not many months, but at least many weeks when we first started off of you know, 30 downloads, 40 downloads, yeah. which can be, it can be deflating, but it can also, if you, it's all about your mindset at the end of the day, because one thing that I, I used to do, I don't have to do it anymore because we have more than 30 people listening now, but you know, <laughs> even, even at that level, even with getting 30 people in, just picture yourself in a room with those 30 people that came to that room from all over the country or what have you to listen to what your conversation with someone else. And when you think of it that way, it's like, Oh, even 30 people is actually pretty cool. Like they went out of their way to listen to me talking to someone like even that is pretty cool. So, and then, yeah, 
my, my wife doesn't even give a shit what I say. So it's like, <laughs> I've got like five people listening. Like, this is awesome. Right. <laughs> but yeah, like what, yeah, when I first started doing the drawings, like specifically Liberty drawings and just kind of putting them up on my old Twitter, like one like maybe from my friend that I knew, <laughs> nobody cared. And I'm like, I think about it now. I'm like, why was I still like with so much fervor going back and drawing and learning how to do this shit and like really breaking my ass to do it? And I guess, yeah, I guess it pays off. I don't want to like take a victory lap, but you know, it does, it paid off for, for now at least. And, and I, I continue to make it to, I continue to want to make it bigger. So, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's times of stagnancy and it's almost insanity if you keep doing the same thing over and over to the same results, but you kind of have to keep pushing. You got to, you have to break through, perfect your craft and always continue to perfect it and, and, and grow it and see what it is. A lot of people quit right away and it's it's a shame because you don't know what that could be. And you got to do it all with, uh, you know, with your head up, your back straight, strutting your like that top back. Boxer, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think that's a, yeah. that's a good way to tie everything together, together and wrap things up. Uh, so before I let you go, it's, it's, it's pretty easy. Toplobster.com, but I'll let you go ahead and plug that and anything else you, you'd like to mention on the way out. Is, is, is our discount code still active? Can we still use that one? Yeah, I did, well, I didn't deactivate it, but I got to check. It's uh, if, if there is, it's Roar. Yeah, yeah. So you can, yeah. you can probably, if he, if he didn't deactivate it, so it should be good. Go to toplobster.com, take a little browse. You can get this hat, the Legalized Freedom hat. You can get all sorts of awesome shirts. I have that Scott Horton and the War shirt that I absolutely love. And I, I actually, like, no, no joke, I get compliments about that shirt all the time. I don't think the people complimenting me, like we were in Vegas uh, a couple of weeks ago, celebrating our anniversary and uh, multiple people stopped me and said like, Oh, I love your shirt, man. Love it. Like people of all different walks of life. And yeah, they, I don't know who Scott Horton is. And maybe they kind of recognize the meme uh, from always sunny or whatever, but people really do respond to, to that shirt in particular, I can say. And it's just really, it's just really awesome to go walking around in a shirt and hear people saying like, Hey, that's awesome, man. And the wars, like a lot of people agree with that message of end the wars. It really does resonate. Yeah, that's, I don't want to hold you up, but yeah, when I make t-shirts, it's, it's just to start a conversation. So people will see this and somebody might go, Hey, hell yeah. Or yesterday I had my Dave Smith with the anarchist handbook flags coming out of his head Mm -hmm. as, as Rothbard shirt on. And somebody stopped me. I don't even think they were at the show. They were like, Hey, I like that. You know, it's like, I didn't want to talk to them at the time, but it's supposed to start a conversation and, (laughs) and hopefully you could, you know, plant seed and, and go from there. But yeah, uh, so yeah, you can catch me at toplopsa.com, toplopsa underscore on Twitter, toplopsa with an A everywhere else. And I do have a Patreon with some tiers where I'm working on like, a, I have like a, a phone and computer backgrounds like this and, and other things like that. And uh, discount codes for the tiers. There's also, I'm working on a exclusive shirt just for the members. And I forget which tier, but one of the top tiers is a, a portrait by me. So you could join the likes of Mark Claire <laughs> if you'd like. <laughs> you can be just like me. Uh, well, thanks so much, Danny. I really appreciate it. Really appreciate you coming on, sharing your story, telling us about your plans. We'll definitely uh, we'll definitely be in touch, and maybe you'll see some more top lobster art uh, on Lions Liberty down the road here. But uh, until then, my man, keep up the great work. Keep on roaring. Thank you, Mark. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with good old Danny Boy from Top Lobster. Again, do not forget to go get yourself some gear. 
from toplobster.com. Use that discount code ROAR for 10% off that order. Uh, something else I want to tell you about uh, right now is an event that I'm going to be attending this coming December. This is called the Sayalita Super Spreader, and it is being put on by our good friend Johnny Perfita from the Peddling Fiction Podcast. This will be taking place, uh, the, the bulk of it anyway, from December 10th to 12th. And this is going to be taking place in Sayalita, Mexico, about 45 minutes or so from Puerto Vallarta. Not that hard to get to. And guess what? It's really easy to get into Mexico. You know what you got to do? You got to show up. That's it. That's it. You need a passport, of course. So hopefully you got one of those, but really easy to come down and check this thing out. So I want you to go and head over to sayalitasuperspreader.eventsmart.com. I will also link to this in the show notes over at lionsofliberty.com for today's episode. Again, that is sayalita, S-A-Y-U-L-I-T-A, sayalitasuperspreader.eventsmart.com. It's not just going to be me there. There's going to be a lot of special guests, including, in addition to myself, Michael Rechtenwald, Martha Bueno, Liberty Lockdown's Clint Russell, Counterflow's Buck Johnson, and COVID Jesus, also known as the King of the Cox, Robbie the Fire Bernstein. And this is a very special event. I'm going to be doing a live podcast from there as well. So something you'll be able to get to see me do. I'll be doing a live podcast uh, there with Robbie Bernstein and Johnny Perfita. And real highlight here, the real, real, real show is you're going to get to see a very rare and a very brief stand-up set from yours truly, Mark Claire. I will be doing a brief opening set introducing Robbie the Fire Bernstein. So uh, I've only done stand-up a few times in my life. It is not really out there in the public. Most of you probably haven't even seen any of my stand-up. Well, you can do it, and you got to come to Sayulita, Mexico to do it. You're not going to regret this. This is a place where COVID essentially doesn't exist. I also have procured a discount code for you. You can get 10% off uh, by using discount code LIONS over at sayalitasuperspreader.eventsmart.com. Uh, that is only good until midnight on October 19th. So you got to get those tickets right now to get that 10% off. So head over to sayalitasuperspreader.eventsmart.com. Use discount code LIONS. Of course, don't forget to stick around this week for so much more here from the Lions of Liberty. You've got Brian McWilliams, if he survives his time in Vegas this past weekend uh, for, for Jason Stapleton's wedding. Uh, you can hear him on Wednesday with Electric Liberty Land while John Odermatt wraps things up on Thursdays with Finding Freedom. You get all these shows for the price of one. The price is free. Just got to slap that subscribe button to hear us roar three days a week. And if that's not enough for you, we got plenty more content over on our Patreon at patreon.com slash lions of Liberty, or we are also on locals lions of Liberty.locals.com. If you support us on either of those platforms, you will get access to all of our bonus content, conspiracy corner, degenerate gamblers, uh, live segments with guests, extra bonus segments with guests. And of course, many, and if not most, if not all of my interviews are streamed live for supporters. So uh, our supporters saw that I had a little flub today, little little Mexico internet glitch. Why didn't you hear that in this episode if you're listening on the podcast version anyway? Because you didn't see it live. You see, the live version gets all the flubs, all the weird stuff. This one gets edited. I, I like to smooth it out for you and just tell you about it later for some reason, but that's how I roll. Uh, either way, glad to have you here supporting Lions of Liberty. We'll see you again next week. Until then, don't forget to live long and live free.